this together because I have gotten a lot of DMs from people who ask specifically how to get started with a rental company. So they are people who have gone to a home goods and purchased um, rentals or purchased chairs uh, or furniture pieces that they want to in turn rent. And what is that process for turning basically a hobby into a full-time situation? Hi. All right, so what it takes to run a rental company. So let me go through what I want to um, talk about today. And I did this very structured because I want to stay on topic because, you know, I can start talking and go off topic. So the first thing is I want to start with my disclaimer. Then I'm going to go into these foundational steps on um, how to start a rental company. And I'm going to put a caveat on that. I'm going to call it a boutique rental company because there are, of course, large scale rental companies that um, you would structure it very differently. So I'm keeping this as a boutique situation here. You would need to understand these elements. So your target audience, and I'm going to go deep into Google Trends and how I use it. So that's definitely something you want to screenshot, save, because it's a tool that not many people know about, and it's almost instrumental in how I market my business. Um, next is this idea of registering your business, insurance, and I put that three times because it's so important. Paperwork, um, the types of paperwork that you would need for your rental company, uh, establishing an online presence, delivery or pickup, and then maintenance of your items. And then I'll go over like the overall sentiments on what I feel the takeaway should be. All right, so we're going to go into this idea that I talk about so much. Like if you heard me on anything, you know, this is always top of mind for me. So this idea that you want to know who you're renting to. So you cannot start a business without understanding who you're selling to. So this idea that you have to create a client avatar for your rentals. It doesn't matter what type of niche you have for rentals. You need to know who you're renting to. And you have to understand what your client's pain points are. So for my client, their pain points are finding attractive kids' chairs and tables for their little ones' events. Like, that's pretty much the overall um, rationale on why I started Petite Seats. And that is what motivates them for renting. It's not, you're not in the business of servicing everybody. You know, people start businesses without understanding who their clients are and then get frustrated when they keep getting clients who don't want to pay or clients who say they're too expensive. So you need to know who your client avatar is and stick with that person. So everybody knows my client avatar is Bonnie and I know everything about her. So you need to do that for your, for your business. So at the bottom here, I say, once you select your niche on um, whatever it is you're renting, then you want to go in to create this value preposition. So what is it that you're offering? This is like your mission statement. What is it that you're offering um, your prospective clients? Why, why should they rent from you? Once you explain that, then you want to ID who would be that best client for the products that you have. So that's a general consensus on who you're selling to. And... I have several um, digital products specifically about creating a client avatar. So if you want more information about that, just let me know. Um, so the next thing is what I wanted to dive deep into is this 
uh, mark, well, I use it as a marketing tool, is getting familiar with Google Trends. So I want you in the chat to give me a thumbs up if you know what Google Trends is. Because it's something that um, one of my interns, or the last intern I had, um, Milu, she introduced me to it. And it's a game changer. It's truly a game changer. So if you've used it or you know about it, let me know. Because what I love about it is it tracks. So it's a feature on Google, on the Google suite. And it allows you to see the popularity of a search um, term or keyword. And it shows the rise and the decline of a specific term. It shows demographic insight, like where it's popular, what state it's popular in, and any related terms to that search word. It also allows you to find a niche. And then same thing, you have the niche within a topic in a specific region. Uh, you can do keyword research with it. And then you can use it to create content um, around a current trend. So I'm going to show you how I've used it. So recently, I just purchased um, bounce houses. So small toddler size um, pastel colored bounce houses. And before I clicked that boom to buy it, I needed to know what the market was saying about it. So this is how I used it. And I don't know, I'm gonna try to zoom in. I don't know if you can really see it, but so this is a screenshot of my, my page. So no, I can only zoom in my face. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna try to explain it here. So what I did on this Google Trends, and I the link I put in the um, it's it's Google it's Google Trends something. But if you search Google Trends, it'll come up. So what I did is I searched three different keywords. So what you see here that's very foggy. The first one in blue, the blue dot says pastel bounce house. The second dot, which is red, said white bounce houses. And then the third one says toddler bounce houses. So those are the three keywords that I wanted to search for. And my time, I looked at it for the past 90 days. So basically what that is doing is comparing those three keywords or those three um, terms um, and to see on Google who is searching for these and where they're searching for them and how popular those terms are. So what you see on this, this chart here is that for pastel bounce houses, it wasn't a lot. In the last 90 days, not a lot of people were searching for it. But what you see all the way, like the red spike all the way to the right of the screen, white bounce houses is popping. It's like very popular. So on a scale, the scale is between zero and 100. And what it says here at the bottom is 100 is peak popularity. 50 would be... Um, would mean half popular. So you're looking at, at looking at the popularity on a scale from zero to 100. So when it comes down to the white bounce houses in red, it's, let me look, I'm on my computer here. It's actually at 100%. So that means that it's very, very, very popular. All right, so that came up and then I wanted to dive deeper. So what I wanted to look at specifically was where were these trending? So I wanted to get specific um, demographic information. So same thing, it shows you the three key terms that I searched for, and then it shows where it's very popular. So it gives you like three, I think the first 16 or 20 um, 
locations where they will be very popular. So the first one was Texas. So if you live in Texas and you have a white bounce house company or a toddler bounce house, people were really searching for that. So that is something that would benefit that would be beneficial for you to want to rent or purchase because it's very popular. People are looking for it. Um, in Florida as well, North Carolina, very popular, the white bounce houses, Maryland, Louisiana. So those were the first five states that it's 100% popular to, to search for white bounce houses. Now this goes on for three other pages. But on the next slide, because I'm in New York and New Jersey, I wanted to see specifically for that area. So if you see here, I, I kind of blocked it out. I think it was number 13. But for New York, pastel bounce houses still zero. But for white bounce houses, hold on, I want to be able to tell you what the number was. For white, white bounce houses, it was 56%. So 56% out of 100 people were searching. So it's more than half percent. So it's kind of popular. And then when it comes to toddler bounce houses, um, it was 44% for New York. So that was my rationale for getting smaller bounce houses because, as we know, people in Manhattan don't have large spaces. So having a bounce house that's smaller that can fit in an apartment is beneficial. So that is the reason why I did an 8x8 instead of the traditional 13x13 or 10x10. So this was part of the reason why I went so small because I looked at this research, I looked at these numbers, and I'm like, all right, I could do this. This makes sense to me because people were searching for it. So if they're searching for it, that's something that I need to have as a keyword on my website. And it's something that I need to have on my Google business profile page. So over here, towards the left of the screen, I did the same thing for New Jersey. And what it shows is 75% of out of 100 um, people are searching for white bounce houses as well. And I'm assuming this is specifically to rent. So again, in New Jersey, it's very popular. It's trending as well. Um, for toddler bounces, it was 25% for New Jersey. So these are things that inform your practice. Like you don't want to make a purchase for any kind of rental item and not do the market research. So when I speak about market research, that's what this looks like. All right. So I have a question for you. My next question is... How many people have a business that's registered? So it could be registered as an LLC, a corporation, an S-Corp, um, whatever. How many people have businesses that are uh, registered? Put a thumbs up in, in the chat because I am very interested in knowing how many people were doing business with um, lim by, while limiting your liability. That's the biggest reason why you would do it. Okay, Casablanca. Three hearts, okay. Petite occasions. Jewels, yes. Petite rentals, excellent, excellent, excellent. You always want to register your business. So in some states, you have to have a business license, especially if you're doing bounce houses. Um, you wanna have a business license or any necessary permits when you are doing inflatables, basically. And that is something that is, is a state-by-state -state thing. I know in New Jersey, New York and there's one other state, I think Pennsylvania, are the only places that really require you to have a permit to have inflatables. The rest of the country is, is basically, you know, up to the 
business's discretion. And don't quote me on that, but I feel like that's it's just those three states. Um, so that's something that as you're starting your business, especially if you have inflatables, it's something you want to pay attention to because you don't want to have the state flag you um, because you're in a public park and somebody reports it. So you need to understand the parameters for running your business for your state. Um, all right, so hold on, let me align my slides with what I'm talking about. So why should you register your business? So the biggest thing is to limit your liability. You wanna avoid personal liability and risk. So anyone who is calling themselves a business person, an entrepreneur, and does not have their business registered with the state, it's a risk. It's a very steep risk because at that point, you're, you're getting into this um, personal litigation. So somebody can sue you and take your assets, your home, your whatever you have that's an asset. So the reason why you register your business is to limit that liability and do it in a way that is separate from your personal finances, your personal entity. So when you register your business, it becomes its own entity. It's almost like a person. It can be sued. You can sue other people. You can, hold on, I wrote all the things you can do. Um, you can incur liability. So it, it's, it serves almost, uh, has the same rights and privileges as a human person. So that is why you want to make something separate. Because if you put it in, just if you're just running a business and it's in your own name, it's you that's getting sued. It's you that's having a lien or whatever. So you want to separate it as, as much as you can. So for my business, I have two separate um, LLCs for my businesses. I have Petite Seats and then, sorry, it's not even Petite Seats. It's Opulent Creations LLC. But under that is Petite Seats, doing business as Petite Seats. And then I started the separate um, LLC for the bounce houses because it's a separate entity. I didn't want it to be an issue, God forbid, knock on wood, I don't have any wood next to me, something were to happen, an accident, and then it jeopardizes the petite seats, right? So I wanted to separate it, have its own insurance, have its own um, LLC, everything is different. So that is why it's so important to make sure you structure your business in a way that limits the risk and limits liability. Um, all right, so let me go back to the slides. So it's a, as we said, it's a separate legal entity. Uh, when it comes down to equity and debt financing, the reason why you want to have it as a, as a registered business is because you can now apply for financing, apply for any kinds of equity, um, attract investors, raise money for your business. And it's not personally for you your reputation and prestige. So people give, or the perception of businesses that are registered, they have a reputation of, you know, being above board, um, being legit, it legitimizes your business, so to speak. This idea of perpetual succession. So this is something that I just had to research before because it's not something that I knew prior to um, this live. So this idea of perpetual succession means, and I wrote this down, it means that the company has an unlimited lifespan. So if the members or the, how do they call them? The directors of the business die or leave the business, the business ownership changes, the business still continues. So that's what we mean by perpetual succession. So that at any time that 
the members change within the structure of the business, the business is not, it doesn't just dissolve. So that's a, a plus. Um, public perception and brand credibility, that goes back to reputation and prestige. So corporate bank accounts, that's another big thing, especially for people who are looking for financing. You don't want it in your name, you want it in your company's name. So where this um, idea of co-mingling, this is something we I talked about before. You have your, your personal assets or your personal bank account and then you have your business bank account. You don't want those to merge. So you want to be able to... Um, you want to be able to have, um, sorry, I don't know what's going on with my internet. That allows you to um, have, you know, have, you can get a loan in your business name. You can um, finance a car in your business name. I finance both of my um, vans in my business name. So these are things that you are able to do when you register your business. And of course, what we started with this idea of this legal protection that you have when you register your business. All right. I think the single most important piece of this is this next slide. So for rental companies, hold on. I want to go and I want to pause right here because I want to look at the um, chat because I've just been talking. So um, Amelia's venue, how tall will your new smaller bounce houses be? So I'm thinking they're about seven feet. Um, I got the length and width. I don't have the height, but I can ask her. But I feel like it's it's um, eight by eight by seven is the height of the new bounce houses. Um, what else is here? Okay, that's it. So rental companies, it's a lot of fucking insurance. Okay, I'll just tell you that. I spend on average about, well, this year to be more, but... Um, 10 to 12,000 a year for insurance. So this is this is how I have it structured. So I have my commercial liability insurance for petite seats. I have my commercial liability insurance for the bounce houses, which is a higher premium because it's a different um they're different specs. So I have a higher threshold. Um I also have or what I will be having this year is a workers' comp because, as I said, I'm not driving to the Hamptons anymore. I'm going to hire people. So workers' comp is something that um, I'm going to need. So you have to purchase liability insurance because just like with the registering your business, you want to limit your risk and limit your liability for somebody suing you. Most states require you to have workers' compensation when you have employees. So this is something that I um, I took copious notes on because it's something that I'm still trying to understand. So the year that Jennifer was my intern, I had was the first policy that I had for workers comp. I think it was about $2,000 for the year. And this was three or four years ago. So now I'm going to need it again. But it's going to be much more money because they look at several factors. So they look at your net sales or your gross sales. They look at um, the payroll amount, like how much you're paying your people. And uh, if you've had any you know, previous claims or anything like that. So there's a formula that they follow to set the amount. And because I am no longer using an agency, I'm hiring in-house drivers, I, it's necessary. I need to have it. And a lot of the buildings and um, locations that I um, rent or people rent from me from, it's a they ask for it. Um, 
the whole point of having workers comp is it gives your employees and their families peace of mind that if they were to get ax get in an accident or be injured on the job, they're covered. So the the way I look at this and the way that I, I think about the accident that I had in August, if I had workers comp for myself, I would have saved a whole lot of money because I had to pay back. I lost wages, right, for that weekend. I had to pay back a lot of money. Um, I had medical expenses, but I had insurance, so I didn't really have to pay out of pocket for that. But if I would have had it, if I if I would have had the workers comp, it would have covered, I would have filed a claim and it would have covered all of the associated fees that I had or costs that I had as a result of the accident. So this is why it's super important to understand how workers comp works and get it if you have people that you're, you are employing and they're on the road for you, if they're delivering or if they're um, just working in your space, in your fact, in your warehouse or whatever. It's something that you need. Um, what I researched is if I hire independent contractors, you can also require them to have a policy. So you can ask them, you know, can I be an additional insurer on this while you're working with me, an additional insurer on your workers comp um, policy, because that is something that, you know, you want to know they have if you don't have it for them. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. All right, so the next thing is the paperwork. So I really only have three forms that I use constantly for the rental paperwork situation. It's my credit card authorization form, which I don't use much because I have the square system, but it's something that some people don't do electronic payments that way. They want to run your card and have the information on file. So they would use a credit card authorization form. And then my rental agreement and my waiver. What I would suggest is you use a system that, some, that the people can sign your rental agreement and your waiver digitally. Because it's just seamless, it's easy, you have a record of their digital um, signature, and it's good to go. So that is what I, um, I have on Square, and that's what I use when anyone has to sign a waiver for the bounce houses. Um, hold on, I'm trying to catch up with my notes here. What else did I have to say about that? Yeah, so that's basically it. You want to have this rental agreement because it, it sets the parameters around everything from um, the responsibility of the items being from the time they drop off or pick up to the person, they are responsible for your stuff, to the time you pick it up or they return it. It has those um, terms. It has terms for... Um, damaging like what happens what's the cost associated with damaging a specific item all of those things are within the rental agreement and it it's something that should be written out and explained not necessarily explained but able for people to sign each clause so that is something that just clarifies the expectations with your customers and gives them an idea of what to expect so the next thing is this idea of an online presence. Now, I know several, several rental companies that don't have a website. They do everything from Instagram. They, they literally work from Instagram, um, and that is how they take rental orders through DM, 
And you know my philosophy on that is you don't control Instagram. So at any given time, your business can be bloop, wiped out if you don't have a website. So on your website, you can design rental packages and have them explained. You can have people book directly through your website. Um, you have to invest in quality photos. Like that's a must. V photos and videos. You have to be able to have a functioning website, meaning it's user-friendly. And you can, some people I've seen, they've integrated their, um, their website because they have like this booking system within, or you can do like a, what is it called? Glam has this, where you can do like a wish list and then you, uh, you put in a cart the items you want and then they follow up and send a quote. So whatever you're using, whatever system you're using, booking online software, you want to make sure that it's user-friendly and it's simple to navigate um, for you and for your prospective client. And then a booking calendar. I don't necessarily have one, but it's something that I'm working on. I just had a conversation today with someone about doing my logistics for me. And within that, having a booking calendar or a spreadsheet is something that I'm developing. Um, automatic emails like HoneyBooks. A lot of people use Debsado, HoneyBooks. Those systems do this for you, these automatic emails. So you don't have to send a reply each time somebody says something to you. Um, here's one, Bookio. Okay, that's excellent. I've never heard of that. Um, but there are several, several booking softwares that you can use for a rental company. Uh, so this is where I'm at with when it comes to invoicing and paying online. Invoicing, I automatically, I manually do. And it's very, very time consuming. Paying online is with Square. It's, it's fine. So I am still in this process of vetting um, a booking rental software system. And I just haven't had the time to research what will work best for me. But it's something that I definitely have to do within the next four weeks because what I'm doing now doesn't make any sense. Um, and what is this? Imagine says book, book EO does all of the book calendar payment and other interactive through your website. I love that. I'm going to look it up and let me pin your comment because, um, it's something that it, is it specific for rental companies? That's my question for book EO. Uh, but it's something that I'll, I'll add to the list to research. So, also, you want to be able to do um, whatever platform you're using, you want to be able to do uh, digital signatures for your rental agreement, like I said before. Okay, so next, this pickup and delivery terms. Now, these terms have been set for me based on my delivery and pickup adventures. Like, all of the terms and conditions that I have right now for uh, my rentals have been as a result of something going wrong. Like for instance, any events that I have to pick up after seven, that additional $25 per hour fee was set as a result of that because I, I went to an event, it was supposed to be over at 10, it wasn't over until midnight. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, what's this about? So having those parameters set is what is in my contract now. Also, if it's a same day pickup and drop off, I'm charging an additional fee as well because it's more 
logistics. It's more to think about for me. And so that is something that is also in um, my terms and conditions for deliveries and pickups. So when you're talking about deliveries, you have to be very specific about what it is you require. Um, pickups for me, I just started to do that in the in the warehouse space. And it, I haven't had any issues, but I imagine if you have very pricey pieces that you don't want people to pick up, you just don't offer that service. So it really just depends on, on your um, preference, whether people can pick up from you or not. When it comes down to maintenance and you have a rental company, it's very important that as soon as something breaks, one, you're made aware of it and you have somebody to replace it or fix it because you know, it gets to a point where you will have a graveyard of broken things and you never fix them. So either you throw it out or you, you replace it um, and you want to always maintain your, your things and do monthly maintenance checks. So that is something that I have had to do religiously with the bounce houses because those are very, very risk, high risk um, items, these inflatables. So I always want to make sure that every part of that system is together without any leaks, any fails, all of that. So each time I bring the bounce houses back, I inspect that everything is no tears. There's no, um, what else do I look for? There's no damage to the actual inside of the structure. And if there is, then I need to fix it or patch it or completely replace. And so that is why one of the my original bounce house that I had... Um, with the slide, I just took out of commission because it's just so disrepaired that it's just, it's not safe anymore for me to rent it. All right, so I have one more slide, you guys. And it's just my overall sentiments of um, owning a rental company. Now, in two weeks, it'll be year eight for Petite Seats. And each day was long as hell, but in the grand scheme of things, it went very quickly. And I just had a, um, a coaching session with um, the two women um, in, my, in my group that I was uh, coaching. And we went over uh, my, it's not a press kit. I can't even remember what I called it now. Um, whatever it was. But I showed them the, like the, the traction of my business. And how in year one, I think I made $11,000. And year two, fifteen, Year three, and so on and so forth until I got to this six-figure point. And it was, when you think about it, it was a very um, fast jump. And it came from just making sure that, my one, my customer service was on point. Two, I've, I had items that were sought after. You know, people want specific things that I have. And just making sure that I protected myself financially and with with insurances because there have been accidents um having solid terms and conditions for pickups and deliveries and then having reliable spaces like when i had my storage unit or i had the space at my house um having that so that it was easy coming in and out for my inventory and then having a reliable van because i demolished <laughs> my car my suv that i had when i first started this business um because i was you know, lugging shit back and forth that wasn't supposed to be. Like at one time, I remember I had like 50 chairs and like six tables in that damn S, um, X3 completely done. So having a reliable van 
was very, very important for me f to just to level up with my business. Um, and so where I'm at right now is to automate everything. Or if I'm not automating it, at least have somebody, one person in place that's not me that can manage that piece of it with the manually sending in um, emails and invoices. Like that has to be in my calendar. Um, that has to be streamlined because what's happening right now is just not productive. And last summer it was overwhelming. So I imagine it's going to be just as crazy. So I need to make sure that prior to Memorial Day, is set. All right, so I want to go into these comments because, um, and if you have questions, just put them here because I, I'm pretty much done my presentation. Um, how do I take off the asset? There we go. Okay, so uh, Petite Rental says I've had this issue come up recently with a pricey piece. I will have to discontinue it as a pickup option, unfortunately. Oh, so someone picked it up, and basically, I guess they damaged it. So it, it's no longer a piece of your inventory. That's unfortunate um, because of, as we know, nobody's gonna take care of your stuff as you do. Um, how do you determine how much the delivery fee will be? So for deliveries, um, I feel like my prices are very cheap, but what you do is you take your Uber app. Where's my phone? Oh, I'm on my phone. Um, you go to the Uber Black, and you look for, from where you are, where your rental and your inventory is, to where you're going, you look at what the price is. Now you can use that price, you can divide it however you want, um, but that would be the benchmark with how much you should charge for a specific area. Um, that's what I've done, I've just used Uber. And it has given me you know, information on how to charge for delivery. Um, and I just raised my prices by $50 as well for, for delivery, just to account for the increase in gas. And it's a shock to many people, but like, what am I gonna do? Um, they took apart one of my tables to fit in the van. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> that was my concern with my, um, my farm tables because they, up until recently, they had the legs. So the legs are easily, they can easily break. So that's why I never allow people to pick them up. But now that they're the folding legs, it's still kind of risky. But with the folding legs, I may be open to people um, picking up. Hi. Um, are you raising your prices on rentals or inventory? So I, I raise my prices on my cheaper items. So... The, the items that are the cheapest, I just raised. So the, that's the table, the folding tables. I am going, in the summer, I'm gonna raise the price for my um, white Chivari and for my um, pink bow chairs. So everything is getting raised. Um, especially the most popular pieces because people want them, they're gonna rent them regardless. So yes, the answer to that is yes. I, I have raised, I will raise prices. Because for me, it's about seasonality. And as we all know, on the East Coast, business is popping in the summer and it's about demand. So what happens is I can rent out something very easily. So why not increase the price? Because I know it's going to rent um, and be in demand. So yes, uh, April, not April, May 15th, the inventory increase 
Um, I will be increasing the um, prices for those things. Um, what are your go-to pro programs for streamlining your business? Girl, I'm still trying to find it. I am such a archaic person when it comes to systems. And so a part of me, because um, I, I, I need a business coach. So I, even though I give so much information, I, my business coach and I will work specifically on streamlining business and automating petite seats because this is year eight and I should not be doing what I'm doing, the same things that I was doing in year two. So when I get that information, I'll definitely share it. Um, but I still will have somebody like for me, it's the personal touch. It's being able to call somebody when you have a question. So I will always have someone that is able to answer questions and be on demand. I just don't want to be that person. So I will pay somebody to do specifically that for me. Um, but for invoicing, I use square, um, for marketing, I use square for my teams, like, um, how I will do my payroll is with square as well. How often do you raise your prices? We currently do it annually, but I think we need to do it more. Yeah, I, I, I am at that point where, yes, it, it's definitely a season thing for me. So in the winter, it's whatever. Um, but in the summer, I am, this summer in particular, everything is getting an increase in price because the demand is there. So they're going to rent regardless. Um, my bounce houses have always been at a premium. That's not going to change in price, just the, the delivery prices. But um, the bounce houses are still a thousand, and the new ones coming in, they start at seven fifty for the toddler size. And then I think it's two because I want people to order like a cluster. Like I'm trying to make it a package situation. So one is seven fifty, two is like twelve hundred, I think, and three is seventeen. So those are um, not as expensive. Do you know any rental business in the Jersey Shore? Yes, there's several down um, in the Jersey Shore. Um, are you speaking specifically for uh, kids' tables and chairs? Or are you speaking about um, just like concession and stuff like that? There are several that are down there. How do you maintain it? Do you recommend charging a damaged deposit? So that's something that I'm changing as well. So I recently rented from um, Deco Me Up for a baby shower that I'm planning um, on the second. And they use a credit card authorization form to handle all of their business. Why? Because once they have your card on file and you agree to um, for them to run it for damages for anything that happens outside of just you know normal wear and tear, you have your they're at it's at your discretion. So that's something that I'm considering doing because I have had stuff I've been fortunate. I, let me rephrase that. Anytime something has broken, the cost to replace the client has paid without any arguments. Um and so I've been fortunate with that, but yes, it has been um something that I've been considering to do the credit card authorization form so that I have their card on file. You know, when they use the Square system, I don't have access to the card. So that is something that I'm I'm thinking about restructuring. But of course, it has to be in a way that's safe for their credit card information. So I have to have a full, uh, you know, we don't want no scamming happening. So I have to think about what that looks like. Um, now I have a physical space. I have my studio space. So 
I have a file cabinet, a locked file cabinet. So those are the things that I'm thinking about, but um, I don't have it, you know, fleshed out yet. But that is something that, yes, I am considering. But definitely, you want that card on file in case damage just uh, does happen. I don't currently charge a uh, damage deposit, no. Because um, I just make my stuff very expensive. So I account for damages, and it's probably the wrong way to think. Like my farm tables are 125 For me to replace a specific piece, it's not going to cost me that much. My husband hates this because I always have him fixing things. But again, if it's something that's like a total loss, I've always had the client just replace it. Um, and I've not had a problem. Sorry, my husband is watching some game. Connie fall. Oh, look, here's another one. I'm going to um, pin comment. Um, Ruffles and Cornbread says uh, Connie's Falls has a system. Let me write this down. A business systems. I feel like I followed her at one point. She's, she's into automation. Let me write this down. Connie's Falls. Um, okay, so let me keep scrolling. Yes, yeah, so um, Crafts to Love, DM me and I'll, I'll give you some folk. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I have for tonight. If you have any questions, let me know. Um, anybody want to go live with me, let me know because I'm literally waiting for this game to be over um, before, you know my family is up and about and that's that's all I have for tonight I am um, I'm back into this this time frame for strategizing right and when Memorial Day comes I don't have time to think so right now is when I'm setting things in place, setting systems in place so that when um, it's super busy, I don't think. It's just everything is set and you get it done. And so that is that is where I am right now. And it's very um, like deep work because you have to think, you have to put systems in place. So that is definitely why I do so much research on like Google Trends and that kind of stuff because it allows me to see what's happening in the market. Like I spent the whole winter looking at California and, and the last part of the winter looking at Australia when they opened back up. And so I had an idea of the things that I wanted to bring to the market in this tri-state area, but it was, um, you know, it was still touch and go because it's like we're always behind the trend, you know, because we have to deal with the cold weather. So that is where I'm at. How did you decide which manufacturer to purchase bounce houses from? So I, I've used two different manufacturers for bounce houses. And these are the things that I look for. If they had an Instagram page, to me, that legitimizes them in a way. Because remember, this is China. So I would follow them on Instagram. Um, they have to be a gold supplier on Alibaba. Um, they have to have a factory. They have to be a factory and not a um, trading company. They have to have all of their certs for um, 
I think mostly, I don't, I don't know if it's a United States cert, but like a, a European or a Canadian cert for inflatables. Um, and they also just have to be somebody that I can reach. Like if I'm, I'm in constant communication, I want to be able to have a, a CAD drawing of what it is that you're giving me. Um, and primarily, it's really just their gold supplier on Alibaba. I use my credit card. So if shit goes left, I just file it as a loss and get my money back. So I'm not too concerned about the quality of stuff because I know I'm limiting my liability by using my credit card. Um, but with, I have not had a bad experience with Alibaba at all because I look for these gold suppliers. I don't look for somebody who's just been in business for two years. You know, no, it, it has to be somebody that's been in the business for a while. Um, oh, thank you. I got, okay. I'm going to check for your DM. Do you have a similar guideline for the seats? Which, um, which guideline, what do you mean? Petite rentals. I don't, I don't understand the questions. Similar guideline for rents for, for seats. Do you have any good? Oh, so my, um, I use Amex for, for business. Um, because one, it's, the, it's the perks, it's the points, um, before COVID, I was traveling a lot, so the travel benefits, but I use that, um, but the annual fee is very high, so a lot of people won't use it because of that, but I, I like Amex. Um, I'm paying, I think, almost 700 a year for the annual fee, which is obscenely expensive, but if you travel, it makes sense because you get, I think, global entry or one of them free. Um, it's a lot of, not free, but it's, it's built into the chargeback. So it's a, you have to look to see which they, and of course they have several types of Amexes, um, which one works for you and which one you're willing to pay that annual free, fee for. Um, but Amex has always been my recommendation. Oh, a guidebook for finding a supplier. Okay. Understood. No, I feel like as long as they have um, the gold supplier, then you know they, they have volume. You know that they've serviced many clients and you know that um, Alibaba endorses them. Um, I, I actually have a, um, what do I have? I have a vendor list and I have to revise it because the person that I used the last time for my rattan chairs, hot mess. So I ordered from them one time and it was amazing. The second time I ordered from them, everything, the proportion of the chairs, the dimensions, everything was skewed. So I am now using um, another vendor because they were just a mess. So that kind of stuff, I used my credit card, so I got my money back because it was just like, this is not what I paid for. Um, but again, if you use your credit card, it limits your liability. If something doesn't work to your benefit or how it was described, it's not on you. Um, what else do we have here? Yeah, that's, I think that's all the questions. So I'm going to check my DMs. I still have to send, um, I have to send inventory, not inventory, invoices tonight. How do you find the right height for your tables? So there's a guide when you search, DM me too, because I have a picture of it. Um, there is a guide that shows 
chair to table proportion for children. And it's, it's just a Google document that I search one day. So for younger kids, it has it like for age two to three, age three, four, um, age like seven to 11. So it, it's a, it's a height, but I have a, um, I have a picture of it. So if you DM me, I will send it to you, but I use 21 inches. That's the standard height for my tables for, um, for kids is 21 inches. Oops. Any more questions? All right, you guys, so have a wonderful evening. This is the first Friday in a long time when my ass can be home and just have been home all day. Tomorrow is a free day for me, woohoo! But Sunday is back on the grind. But um, <laughs> listen, honey, I don't feel that way. I feel tired. I feel motherfucking tired. But, you know, it is what it is. I am, I'm working on legitimizing my hustle. <laughs> I'll put it that way. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.